0: for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, health heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I've got Dr. Pam Popper. And um, I'm really excited to have Pam on today because, you know, a lot of the people that we have on, um, number one, we, we like you guys to be healthy, which Pam is. Um, and she just told me she has to be because she owns a yoga studio, right?
1: At a gym. <laughs> At, a, At gym, a gym. So yeah. she has
0: no she has no excuses. Yeah. But she's healthy herself. And, you know, w- today we're going to be talking about our medical freedoms and keeping our medical freedoms alive so that we can have that, you know, relationship with our healthcare provider, whether it be a doctor or a colon hydrotherapist or a massage therapist or a Reiki person or a, ch- a chiropractor, doesn't matter. We should be able to have <clears> that that relationship with them mm-hmm. and not have the government getting in between us and our healthcare provider. And that's what's actually happening today. So Pam, thank you so much for coming on and for all the great work you're doing.
1: Well thank you. It's a it, this whole thing is something I feel really passionate about because Um, I think it's just a, a part of being an American should be we have control over our own bodies. And um, and what we've seen happen over the last several years is it gets worse and worse and worse. Mandatory vaccines. First, it starts with healthcare workers in the hospital and then it's kids to go to school. They have to be vaccinated. But but there's so many other ways that the government interferes. And I'll give you another example that people don't think about sometimes. And that is that the psychiatry profession is famous for telling parents, for example, listen, if you don't put your kid on Risperdal, He's five. He's having behavior problems. And I'll report you to Child Protective Services. And we're all familiar with the cases where a child with cancer has been taken away from his parents because the parents are recognizing the chemotherapy isn't working. They want to do something else. So we've been careening in this direction, going the wrong way in maintaining our medical freedom for a long time having kind of a bottoming out right now, which maybe is a blessing in disguise because sometimes you have to blow things up in order to rebuild them properly.
0: <clears throat> yeah. People are starting to recognize just how big the problems are. And you're talking about child protective services. That's a $1.3 trillion a year, uh, racket. Um, yeah. well, part of it is, I mean, because what ends up happening is like I've, 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 seen the statistics and what happens is that they take the child for whatever reason, Right. What you brought up could be an example. You know, like the parents are seeing, uh, I actually had a, a 15 year old, 16 year old boy at a hospital up here. And I was working with their parents. Dad was on board trying, wanted to do some natural stuff. Mom's like stick with Western medicine. And dad was just kind of stuck in the middle. He couldn't do anything. And his son was telling him, he's like, dad, it's just not working. It's not working. And he was just, hairs Mm -hmm. falling out. He was weak and frail. And this kid was tough. Mm -hmm. And and then, um, I had another example, um, God, it was like, I usually have these classes at my house and people come over and we make, we do an educational piece on detoxing and then we make fresh juices and plant-based dinner and all this stuff. And then, but it was just two guys in the sun. And, um, and I was talking to these guys and this guy's finally like, Hey Tim, he's like, yeah, he goes, and his son had cancer, brain cancer. And this has been going on since he was 15. It was 18 at the time he was at my house and, he, and he's like, Tim, I goes, I was holding my son in the middle of the night and I actually was thinking about just taking a pillow and suffocating him. Oh and he, and, he, and he's telling me the story and it's like I still have yeah. flashbacks. Every time I tell the story, I get flashbacks and I, I feel the emotions coming over me because like I had two, I have two boys and I'm thinking, what how bad does it have to get where you're, you're thinking about actually ending your child's life to put him out mm-hmm. of his misery? Yeah. That child ended up again. There was another um, uh, it was two parents were split. One wanted to do natural. The other one didn't. And so nothing could happen. And he ended up passing away, I think, in in his 18 year old uh, that that year. But um, so I've experienced this stuff. And it's ridiculous that somebody, a parent can't say, no, we're done doing this and we're going to go, you know, eat healthy and do all this other stuff.
1: Right. Parents should have adults should have autonomy over their body. And they should have authority over their children unless something egregious is going on. I'll tell you something interesting that happened here in Ohio a few years ago. A friend of mine ran for a state representative and got elected. And she's the kind of not politician we want to have in office because she basically said, I'm going to do a couple terms in the House because I have some things I want to do. And then I'm going to resign. Not this business where. You go to be a politician for a whole, what politics isn't a career. It's supposed to be public service, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you go do something, you go back to your life. Well, anyway, one of the things that she wanted to take care of, it was at a time when, when the uh, opiate epidemic was really accelerating. And you see all these kids where the mother's in jail for dealing drugs, or you know she's in a rehab center, whatever. You get these kids, and so grandma is willing to take the children, or the sister, or whatever. And they have no legal standing, all right. And so child protective services would come and get them. This goes on in every state, and so she ended up getting a bill passed. It took like two terms to get it passed, where the family is the default. You have to prove the family unfit to take the kids away from the family, and and the biggest opponents to it. We're the government. In other words, the government's getting up there. I mean, and you could. I sat through some of those hearings because I was interested in it. My friend was behind it, you know. Yeah. But but they're really saying, look, it's better. We're so much smarter about your family. It's better for us to have those kids. And then, you know, if we find out grandma's fit, you know, after a couple years in a foster home, we can return them to grandma because that's always a good idea. Right. Foster care is the best. And, and so she got it done. But I think it's an interesting thing that the government, the main opponents to the bill were, were government that wanted to maintain control over children. His parents weren't available to take care of them. And, and the mere idea that we even uh, entertain that that these people could even testify just tells you how intrusive our government has become. And it's intrusive in all areas. I mean, we could pick other topics to talk about, but we're here to talk about health. And so it's become intrusive in terms of health. And so when this whole thing that we're dealing with now happened, I wasn't, I'm dismayed. I'm flabbergasted. But I'm not surprised, all right? Because it's just a bigger expression of all of this that's been going on for a long time. And, you know, when you think about any other problem, if you don't do something about it when it's a small problem, it's a big problem sooner or later, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. exactly what we're dealing with. Yeah. We didn't do something about it when it was smaller. And so here we are. And now we're forced to. And maybe that is good. And people say, well, you know, Pam, you always do the silver lining. I do, because I think you can't keep your sanity if you just think everything's lost. I don't want to go there. I don't think that. But I don't want to go there for obvious
0: reasons too. Yeah. And with child protective services, like what you, what you brought up there, if, if you follow the money too, it's like, I just said, it's a big business. There's, it's mm-hmm. a 1.2, 1.3 trillion dollar industry. Yep. They take the kids. I've got a guy that does services for me now. His child was taking care of him. It's at one years old, they're doing operations on him and giving him pills and doing stuff. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what's going on. And he, his child was taken away from him just simply because he didn't, he's like, And he was questioning them, why would you want to do that? And why, you know, Mm -hmm. he just questioned the doctor. And finally she's like, that's it. And she turned him in, (laughs) child got taken away. And what we're finding though, is after six months to two years, 70% of those cases, the parents were in the right. Mm
1: -hmm. So think
0: about out of $1.2 trillion, 70% of that, which is a lot of money, um, was money that got made off of cases that should have never been a case.
1: Exactly.
0: And then what ends up happening is these children get taken away from the parents. And then a lot of times they're molested, right? They're molested in foster care and having these issues. So how in the hell is that better than going to grandma's house?
1: I know it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. And in Ohio, it's a lot harder to take them away from grandma's house right now, or the aunt's house or the father's brother's house or whoever they end up with and and you know so that's a that was a great thing that she got done and now what we have to do is the rest of it we've got to, we've got to start basically getting the government and the medical system which work together along with the drug companies and they're, they're taking over bigger and bigger swaths of our life. I mean, we have a medical doctor in Washington, D.C. who's telling you if you're allowed to open your business, it's telling you what you have to wear when you go outside, telling you what who gets to do what, telling you if you can go to church. You know, th- this is insane. It's absolutely insane. And, um, and, and we're doing a lot to try to change it because we have to change it. We're either, we're either going to use this as an opportunity to lift ourselves up out of this and say never again, You've heard that before, right? Mm-hmm. Or or we're going to sink into living in a communist socialist type country, and they will have used healthcare as the vehicle for putting us there.
0: Yeah, it's scary. Um, I got to uh, meet uh, uh, governor of South Dakota, Christy Noem.
1: Mm-hmm. The and... same person, the grown up in the room, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. And it was really neat. She's like, you know, this is during uh, this was uh, when was this it was last late last fall? I think it was in late November, December, something like that. I went down to uh, an event in my uh, Miami area and Doral and she spoke and she's like basically saying, hey, South Dakota is open for business mm-hmm. and business is booming. And it was up like one hundred and thirty one percent or mm-hmm. something like that. People are flocking in. She says, here's the deal. She's like, we have not mandated masks. She's like. We just let people do what they want. If you feel that you need to wear a mask, then go ahead and wear one. If you feel you need to stay home and isolate, do that. But if you feel you're healthy and you want to get out, and move around, and run your business, or go for a walk, or take your kids for to the park, then go do that. And 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 she said it's really simple. We don't have any income state income tax here. We have a four point five percent sales tax, which is actually a smart thing to do out here in Oregon. We don't have it. All Oregonians hate sales tax. But just imagine if, if our nine or whatever it is now, nine point something percent income tax was gone. Paying a 4.5 uh, sales tax wouldn't be that big of a deal because now you're only spending, pay, paying the tax on things you buy.
1: Right. So the exactly. money you
0: invest, you had no tax. And then you you shoulder the burden of the, the cost in Oregon with people passing by and driving up and down and the roads in here, I-5 and flying in and spending money at hotels and restaurants and
1: right. going but to... You- you have all that bloated government out there, and you can't. sit, so, You know, you, that's what all that's that's for. And um, and, and I think that uh, her story is going to become very important as we unravel all of this because the numbers out of South Dakota. Are yeah, let's go into that. And, let's
0: let's go into that and explain the yeah. difference in, in COVID uh, vaccinations and 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 COVID. Well, just the it, it's hard to even say what's real,
1: yeah. right?
0: It's hard to say well, what's real. But what? How many? How many cases are there? I mean, and you know, no,
1: We don't have any idea. That's the thing. Um, So first of all, this is not a pandemic. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And and I've staked my reputation on it and my personal fortune. I mean, we're filing lawsuits in every state claiming there's no pandemic. Never was. Officials know it. They're committing fraud. We can prove it. We submitted 620 as an intro, as an introductory volley, if you will. We submitted 625 pages of reference material. And we use their data, their forms, their statements. Okay, so let you me get you talking about you them.
0: talking about the CDC and NIH.
1: Oh, all of them: the, the Fauci, Redfield, Burks. Um, there's another agency that I can't remember the name of it, but this this one becomes important. Um, they issued, you know, for two, since 2003, we have um, we've had a, a handbook for filling out death certificates. Right. And so they, changed, they made a separate rule, it's one page, just for COVID deaths. And it actually says on the form that the purpose for this new procedure is so as to diagnose death from COVID or attribute death to COVID more often than not. It actually says that in the document. And so um, there was one curious reporter at a White House briefing with the Scarf Lady. Remember when we had a look at her every day? Mm-hmm. There was one curious reporter, I think they got rid of him, they put him in the Potomac River, or whatever, because you can't ask questions in, in Washington, who who asked, so so uh, according to what I'm reading here, the person could actually die of like trauma to the head. And if that person was COVID-19 post-mortem, then you would call that a COVID death. And she said, that's right. Okay, so so that's the first thing. Now, what do we consider a COVID death or a case, right? So never in the history of our country have we ever tested asymptomatic people who aren't sick and called them anything, all right? But that's what we're doing. And we're using a test that the developer said should never be used to diagnose anything. He said, if Mullis won the Nobel prize, it's a lab amplification tool, it's not a test for anything. And he said, what you're trying to do is get DNA that you can use in labs. So you can, because it can take something microscopic and blow it up, you can find anything in anybody that you want to, all right? So, um, and then they're running it, at the, that's the PCR test, then they're running it at 40 cycles. And I have a video downloaded to my server and Mr. Fauci is saying that uh, last summer, when you run the PCR test at 35 cycles or higher, you get a bunch of dead nucleotides and false, it's all false positives. Right. Himself, the, the, the criminal himself says that, right? So, so we're using a fake test. We're using a not test. We're using a lab amplification tool to test asymptomatic people using a cycle threshold that the architect of this whole thing, the director of this whole thing, says leads to mostly false positives to gin up the cases which the obedient media reports every day to scare the people. And that justifies all the government response of locking down and restrictions and all that sort of thing. And then we're calling anybody we can possibly categorize as a COVID death. So we don't know who had it. We don't know who died from it. But I'll give you some statistics that will blow your mind. All right. So you want to play a trivia game? Because I promise you'll yeah. blow your mind. All Let's right. Do it. So, <laughs> all right. So in Ohio, we have 11.6 million people. And according to our little emperor, that's what I call him because he's not an elected official anymore. He's the emperor of Ohio, Mike DeWine. He says 18 million plus people have died of COVID in Ohio, 11.6 million people. All right. So there's almost 98 million people in Vietnam. Guess how many people died there?
0: 2 million. 35.
1: 35 people? 35. (laughs)
0: 35. Yeah, I knew it was that much.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, let's go to Shanghai. Okay. 11.6 million here. 24 million in Shanghai. How many people died in Shanghai of COVID? China? Um,
0: 1,500.
1: Seven. Hmm. Guess how many people died in China with 1.4 billion people? I have no idea. 4,693. Now, how can you justify, how can you actually, with a straight face, say we're having a global pandemic and the data show that more people died in the state of Ohio than 11 of the most highly populated, densely populated countries on the planet. You can't possibly say, and they're all living on top of each other in these places. And one of them is Nigeria. Nigeria has 1700 deaths, they have 209 million people. So one of two things is going on. Either there's no pandemic, or you gotta ask, why wouldn't the Emperor DeWine pick up the phone and call the guy in Vietnam and say, what are you people doing over there with all those people living on top of each other that you've got no pandemic going on? Because they're dropping like flies in, in Ohio. So so the so when I say that when we filed these documents with the court, we're using their own data. That comes from the Johns Hopkins dashboard that the remember when every day we had to look at these people on tv it's all everybody got to see that was done on mm-hmm. purpose too but but we're using the johns hopkins dashboard that they were all using back then this is their data we're using their data to bury them we're looking at do, do you realize mm-hmm. that in in the last year that nobody in ohio's died of pneumonia or flu what do you think is the likelihood that there are zero deaths in ohio from pneumonia or flu
0: Zero. It's
1: it's impossible.
0: All right. It's zero. The flu has magically disappeared.
1: Yeah. So the bottom line is that and, and it's interesting because in all these lawsuits that we filed, if I if somebody accused me of fraud, all right, the first thing I would do is I would dig up every piece of paper I had, I would take out full page ads in the New York Times. I would prove I didn't do it. All right. Not these people. They spend all their time trying to not give documents. And our attorney actually said during one of the hearings, he said, listen. This is so easy to solve. You guys keep saying there's a pandemic. All you got to do is prove it to us. And if you have an incentive to do it, you're spending the taxpayers' money with all this litigation. Think about what you could, it would be the press conference of all time. The little Emperor DeWine could say that he proved Pam Popper and Tom Renz and all these people wrong, Right. And other governors would send thank you notes because they wouldn't have to be put through all this stuff. There's only one reason why you won't come up with those documents and prove that you're right. It's because you don't have them and you know that you're wrong. And then and of course, they just look at you, you know, but that's what it's all about. It's all about trying to not prove anything or provide anything or trying to get cases dismissed. So we know we've got them and they know yeah. they know that we know that we've got them, too, by the
0: way. It's really important. So I really, before before we take a break, I want to unpack this because I had Dr. Scott Jensen on who's Senator for um, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, Yeah. And mm-hmm. his, the reason I had him on was because he was, it was the death certificate thing, mm-hmm. the whole thing. So I just wanted to break that down for people. So on the news every night, they scare you with two things, cases and deaths. Mm-hmm. And the cases are not technically cases. Cases no. is somebody that, has symptoms, they don't feel good, runny nose, they got a headache, right. their back hurting. They go see a doctor. The doctor writes that down. It becomes that those notes become part of the medical information bureau. There's a diagnosis. Now you've got a case. Right. And that's a case. What they're doing, and this is a very big distinction, is that if you test positive, even if you have no symptoms, that's a case.
1: Right, using the a cycle case. threshold that the architect of this says will lead to false positives. Now, I want to say something else too. This is just from a common sense standpoint. I'm sure you've been in the healthcare business for a while. Have you ever had anybody show up for work who had the flu and they're vomiting in their trash can and and uh, and sniffling and all that kind of stuff and they and they're begging to stay at work? Mm-hmm. No. What do people who are sick want to do? They want to go home. They want to get the heck out of your building as fast as they can and go home and go to bed. And so this whole idea of quarantining people, you know, the the people who are really sick, we don't really have much trouble getting them to stay at home. I've I've had the flu three times during the last 25 years, 26 years, all all times when I was run down. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I both know your immune systems run down when you go through a stressful time or whatever. And I got rid of it pretty quickly. I had absolutely no desire to be at work. I had no desire to be around humans. I just wanted to lay on the couch and wait. Leave for this me alone. Has. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and you wait for it to pass, right? So so this whole idea of quarantining healthy people is ridiculous. And you don't really have to convince the people who aren't healthy to go home. I mean, I've just never, and I've been in business for 28 years, I'm 26 years. I've never had to beg an employee to leave when they're sick. They're usually nope. pretty anxious to go home,
0: right? Never have. Okay, so just to make this very clear for everybody, and I hope that this point you can point people to this point in the in the in the show is that the death count and the if we look at the um, cases, the first thing is cases. Those cases are inaccurate because they to be a case, people have to go in and get a diagnosis, and they have to have symptoms. What they're doing is they're taking people with no symptoms that have a positive test. That alone should be enough. But like Pam said, take it another step further. We have to look at the test and the test is not even a test. It's flawed. The PCR test, what what she was talking about, these cycles, it's like a magnification. Every time you do a cycle, you zoom in, you zoom in, you zoom in, you zoom in. So 40 cycles, they zoom way in. And you, you can take something that's like a virus particle that's insignificant that's not going to change your physiology at all you're not going to get sick you're going to be fine you're going to go to work you're going to run you're going to play you're going to be in the olympics it's not going to be any problem and they zoom in on that and boop you've got COVID, right and 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 then fear 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 right, right. so these are two things that really have to be in, uh, addressed and then didn't they just didn't the cdc just come out and say that only six percent of the actual deaths that they've been reporting were actually COVID?
1: They've been saying that since last August, and shockingly, I mean, the first thing I did was download the screenshot because things change so much and disappear, but it's still on their website. Uh, Only 6% are pure COVID. And then the rest of them are people who have heart heart disease and diabetes and all which we know are comorbidities. And and if you look at the age distribution, it almost affects nobody who's younger. And healthy people, even older healthy people are not at, at risk. And by the way, you know, people say, well, we need a mitigation strategy for the people who are at risk. No, we don't. And I'll tell you why that is. Every year there's flu season. All right. Every year and every year, the disproportionately hit people are people in care homes, nursing homes, rehab facilities, that sort of thing. Right. And they're older. And they have they have a lot wrong with them. You don't end up in a nursing home because your health is swell, right? Yeah. So, and I want, to, I want to qualify my statement because, and you have to qualify everything these days because people are so quick to criticize, but anybody who dies is somebody's family member or friend or whatever. So we don't want to be cavalier about that, but here's the bottom line. If you're 89 years old and you're taking seven drugs and you're bedridden, and it's January of this year. You are probably not going to see January 2022. Something is going to happen. And for a lot of those people, it's the flu that takes them out. Now, here's what I'm getting at. If you ask all these people in these nursing homes, listen, there's a chance that you might get the flu and die. And to keep that from happening, we're gonna separate you from all humans. We're gonna drop off some food three times a day. You don't leave your room, family can't come in. You can wave at them out the window or whatever the heck rules they came up with. I don't think a single one of those persons would have signed up for it. And in fact, one of the saddest things I have read, I mean, I've read a lot of sad things since this started is in Canada, you can opt for assisted suicide and seniors in these care homes opted to kill themselves rather than continue to be isolated. And if that doesn't tell you how cruel what criminal despots are behind this, you know, that that you want to treat. I think the measure of a society is how you treat your most vulnerable. Sick older people in nursing homes and children are the most vulnerable people in our society. 25% of adolescents have said in the last year they want to kill themselves. And people in Canada who can kill themselves do it rather than live in isolation. And that tells you what we're dealing with here. And I'm sure you've experienced the same thing that I have, is that there are a lot of people who drank this Kool-Aid and they're convinced that they're that somebody's doing the right thing. But but have you noticed that as soon as you start trying to give them data, like what I'm talking about here and I can prove it, I don't say anything I can't prove. So so as soon as you start this, they they just put their hand over there. It's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I bought this story. I'm with them now. And and there's no turning them around. And and they're dangerous people because people who can be brainwashed to that extent, they can be brainwashed to do anything, including kill me, kill you. That's what happened in World War II. Mm -hmm. People turned on their neighbors, people who lived down the hallway from them for 20 years. They were best friends and they turned them in for harboring a Jewish person. So so actually what's happened is that these people not only did this to children and the older people, they they took susceptible people, susceptible, weak-minded people, and they turned them into brainwashed idiots who can't even act in their best interest. They're the ones that are lining up for this vaccine right now.
0: Well, we've, seen, pl- slaughter them. we've seen plenty of those people running around in the streets of Portland just dis- yeah. dis- dis- defaming everything. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get into what Pam and her organization is doing to protect our medical freedoms. We'll be right back. Humans only use 10% of the brain and that can't change no matter how much we try. But you don't need to limit your body to the same standards. Bring your cells to 100% with Green 85 Juice Formula. Replace 85% of nutrients your body needs to function to the next level. Our chemical-free juice formula is 100% organic, contains no stimulants, and is made right here in the USA. Visit chemicalfreebody.com and get Green 85 shipped right to your door. ChemicalFreeBody.com What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Pam Popper, and we are going to be getting into what she's been up to. Uh, Why is she working 20 hours a day risking lowering her immune system to catch the flu to protect our medical freedom? So, Pam, why are you working so hard? I know you've got you've got your clinic, you've got, you've got lots of businesses you're running. Why are you, uh, what are you, what are you up to? What have you been doing to help help protect us for the people that I've always
1: been a hard worker and to, and to be clear, I'm I'm a short sleeper. I mean, there are short sleepers, medium sleepers and long sleepers. And I remember when I was a kid, I was eight years old. My parents used to say, just don't come out of your room. Like if you (laughs) want to read till two o'clock in the morning, you know, so I'm a short sleeper and that helps. But um, when this all started last year, I recognized immediately that this was medical tyranny, this thing that you and I were talking about before, just on steroids, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I recognized that, that this was our chance to either fix it once and for all, or it would be used to make us um, wards of the state for the rest of our lives. I didn't want that to happen. So I started this organization called Make Americans Free Again. And you can go to makeamericansfreeagain.com, learn more about us. And and I have a long-term goal and a a short-term goal. The the shorter-term goal is we have to organize and we have to file lawsuits against the governors and the states and the feds and the people who did this. And, And then we have to go beyond those lawsuits. Once we prove the fraud, we need to make it unattractive for anybody to do this again. So these people need to be prosecuted criminally and we need to take their assets away. I mean, our little emperor is supposed to be worth $70 million and I want to take that money from him and give it to the people he ruined. All right. And then we have to sue the airlines who put people on the no fly list because their masks slip beneath their nose. And, you know, the Costco's and the big box stores and that kind of thing. So the day that they put me in the ground, I'll be in court in the morning and then I'll be dead at night. That's that's what we're going to do for the rest of my life. Um, But the longer term strategy is that we have got to amass a voter database that allows us to scare politicians. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. I watched one of the most horrifying things I've ever watched in my life was a hearing in California. And you can watch it online right now. And I can't remember what the Senate bill was, but it was, remember when California mandated all the kids had to have vaccines for school? Yeah. Yeah. 53 people showed up to testify in favor of that bill and 1,400 and some showed up and went up to the microphone and said, no, I don't want it. All right. And some of them said, I brought here 2,500 people I represent, whatever. And then at the end of the day, they voted for it which just tells you how much they don't listen to us. They don't care about you, me, our families, our businesses, our kids. They don't care about anything except being in office. And drug companies provide a lot of money for them to do that. And so if we don't get organized so that we can have the discussions with these people that will make them do what we want, we're going to continue to get what we're getting right now. And so um, my goal is to get 80 million people in that database in our database who basically agree to just this one thing. I want control over my body, my minor kids, government doesn't get to tell me what to do. And, and that's it, that's the whole platform right there. And I'll tell you how this could have worked last year. Everybody says, you know, this goes on and on. I could have ended this in Ohio in July and I'll tell you how. If So I'm gonna go back. Mr. Fauci said something in 2017 I thought was interesting. He predicted that we were going to have a pandemic under Trump's presidency. He's a real psychic guy, right? Yeah. I wish I was psychic. I could be a billionaire in the stock market or whatever. But anyway, yeah, but it, would,
0: it would be like the movie um, with Michael J. Fox, Back to yeah. the
1: Future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have Do your little stuff. almanac.
0: You get the almanac.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if I'd been psychic, I could have started Make Americans Free again in 2017. All right. And when this happened, we would have had our 80 million people. So let me tell you how we could have done this differently in Ohio last year. In the end of um, June, beginning of July, there were some legislators who were understanding what was going on, and they drafted uh, bills that the emperor to you know vetoed, and they didn't have enough votes to override the veto. And then they tried to impeach him, but they couldn't even get the votes to put bring it up for a vote, right? So I would have sat down with some of our useless officials and had a different kind of conversation with them if I had the backing to do it. I would have said, look, I would have started like with my own senator who is really useless. She is not very popular either. She wins our elections by like a few dozen votes. So you have the dolly bring the boxes in, right, for a fact. And you say, let me tell you about our new program here. I don't think you're familiar with it. It's called Citizens in Charge. Okay, so here's the way this works. You won your election by less than 100 votes. I have 19,000 people in your district who want medical freedom. So you're going to impeach the governor. This was an election year last year. I found it so striking that these people let us all fry here in an election because they knew they were going to come back no matter what. So you sit there and you say you are either going to vote for impeachment or you aren't going to be here after November 3rd. And and just try me on this, right? I want your assistant to start unloading these boxes and checking out these names. They're all registered voters, and you will not be here. And then people say, "Well, but the president of the Senate has to take the vote." That's actually really easy, because we're in a Republican state, right? So I would have, if it were up to me, and I had that backing, I would have brought in pallets of boxes and sat down with the president of the Senate and said, "You are going to take the vote because you know why." You can only be here if you have the majority. And right now working Republican rule here isn't working out so well for us. So we're gonna try our hand with Democrats. I have enough people to take out your caucus. If I take out your caucus, you're gone. So you are gonna take the vote. This is the language they understand. It's the only thing that they care about. And what we've been doing, see, we're all reasonable people. So for 35 years, we've been sending letters. We do protests. We sign declarations and petitions, and we organize expert testimony, and we bring in people to share their personal experiences, and we show up and we talk to them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you say. If you can't take these people out. We have no hope of anything ever getting better. So that's the longer-term strategy. In the short term, we have to gather, file the lawsuits, the whole nine yards. Longer-term strategy is we've got to be able to start threatening politicians to do what we want. And that's the way this game's going to be played. So that's what we're doing. And then in the meantime, we got into doing some other useful things like homeschool networks and uh, small business rescue and that kind of thing. It makes everybody feel pretty good and productive.
0: That's good. So can you um, just... Like at a fifth grade level, kind of tell us what kind of lawsuits you're filing.
1: Yeah. So last year, you know, my whole thing is I don't want to do things where it doesn't work and we don't win. I am a winner. I like to win at things. I think everybody does. Right. So Mm -hmm. so when this all started, I watched all these lawsuits getting filed. and I think by the time we started looking at lawsuits, I'd looked at maybe a couple thousand of them in Mm -hmm. the middle of the summer. And here was what was happening, almost all lost. We now have probably 5,000 lawsuits that have been filed in this country and lost, all right? And that's depressing, all right? But here's the common denominator of all of them. People file a lawsuit saying, my constitutional rights are being violated. They were, and they are. The government comes back and says, oh, but it's an emergency. And then the judge rules that they have a lot of power under the Emergency Powers Act, which they do. And then that's the end of that well we know it's not an emergency so you know you're in the healthcare business like i am you always want to treat the cause right mm-hmm. what is the cause of all this the false declaration of emergency so we fought we said we got we got to challenge that because if you get rid of that the emergency use authorization for the vaccine goes away there's no reason to wear masks anymore there's no reason for social distancing there's no reason why you can't have a concert <clears throat> it all goes away so we filed our first lawsuit on august 31st in ohio um, challenging the emergency declaration. And then we filed in New Mexico and Maine. We're getting ready to file a fourth state very soon, like you know, this month, another one next month. Actually, we're going to do two this month. We're going to file two of them this month. And uh, state by state, we're going to do this everywhere. And, and the only thing, you know, I like to make numbers work for me, coming from a sales background before healthcare. So if we file in every state except South Dakota, We need one judge, one judge in the whole United States of America to say discovery starts tomorrow because once those documents get turned over, we know we have them, all right? And this all starts to go away. And that's why they're so terrified of the whole thing. They know that we're one judge's ruling away from getting them. And then they're criminally liable, all of them, the federal level, the state level, the whole nine yards. So that's what we're doing. And we're going to win this. We can win this. The one thing that will keep us from winning this is if people become demoralized. And this is why I'm so, you know, when we were talking earlier before the show, I was talking about the importance of doing things that work. And it's important because, first of all, resources are limited, but it's also important because people are so worn out in the United States and we just can't afford to have them throw up their hands and and quit. So everything right. that I do, I think about what's the chance of winning if it isn't almost 100 percent. We don't do it.
0: OK, so that's awesome that you guys are doing that. Uh, we spoke earlier. I told you I was, I've been working with Dr. Shiva Ayyadurai mm-hmm. and what he's going on with the truth, freedom and health movement. And I'm looking at your make Americans free again, movement and very similar things. We're, we're just trying to get our freedoms back. Mm-hmm. You know, we want, we want truth. We want, um, you know, truth in science. We want uh, scientific method, not scientific, you know, consensus and all and or science, checkbook science. Um, we want our freedoms back—our freedoms to move freely, to communicate, uh, our First mm-hmm. Amendment rights, um, to be able to travel on an airplane and go go visit our grandparents or go to, <laughs> go to you know go to a wedding or whatever—and um, and we and we and we want our health, right? So, right? so the the big problem that I see here is that, like what Dr. Shiva discovered—I don't know if you followed him—but when he ran for Senate in Massachusetts. He had a great ground game. He had, you know, three thousand volunteers, ten thousand yard signs, twenty thousand bumper stickers. They raised like one point mm-hmm. six million dollars. He was on radio shows. He put billboards up. They remodeled a the bus and said "Shiva for Senate." He visited like every county, went to every city, and he was speaking every day. He was on the road hustling, and then at night, in two or three educational videos a day, educating people on the benefits of turmeric or how to boost your immune system. All these things, right? So this guy was hauling it. The other candidate, nobody even knew who he was. They literally didn't even know who this guy was. People on the ground like, who, who is he? Who is Dr. Shiva running for? He's going to win in the landslide. They didn't even know who the guy was. At the very end, he did a couple of radio shows, and, and, and they thought that was because Shiva was out there so much. Here's one. And, and for those of you that don't know who Dr. Shiva is, he's he's from a caste society in India. He's a dark-skinned guy. So he's the, the worst, worst possible person for them to have going up against him because he doesn't fit the narrative, right? So in one county where it was mostly white, upper-class people, it was 90% hand-counted ballots, okay? He he won by 10 points. All the other counties that were all the mail-in ballots and digital images, he lost 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, mm-hmm. 60-40, on and on went for hundreds of counties. And he, him being a mathematician and a pattern analysis expert, besides all the other you know four degrees from MIT, he's gotten all this other stuff, he found out that, um, well, something's up here. So they mm-hmm. went down to the Secretary of State and did a FOIA request to get those digital images to do a forensic audit on the on the million plus votes. Well, guess what? They destroyed them. So this is what I'm concerned about. We need the people to show up and to vote because we need those digital Im- images, those, Im- those records of the, ba- the ballot image, right? That's the record that shows that you voted, but they're gone. In per federal elections and Senate races and stuff like that, like he was in, federal law says you're supposed to keep those images for 22 months.
1: Right. And so but you got to same- get those people gone. All right. And, and here's the thing. The vast majority, the, the thing that affected this most was the voting machines and the mail-in ballots and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that could have there's only one reason why the mail-in balloting happened. It's because the emergency declarations were still in place in the fall and the fake pandemic was still going on. So I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Yeah, you know, if we had if we had gotten if we had gotten the emperor impeached here, mm-hmm. and things in Ohio opened up, just by force of will, we got enough people to take everybody out if we want to. You can make people dance to your tune more with this than money, because money can't vote, right? Only people can vote. Then the then the rest of the country. I, I'm convinced that had we been able to do it, Trump would have opened would have started talking about it because he's now coming clean with the fact that he always thought Fauci and Burks were bad people and the whole nine yards. I think he really didn't know what to do from his position there, and I think he would have picked up on it. So the whole key to all of this is you've got to have people mobilized, and 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 you have to have them. Dr. Shiva's situation is a little bit different um, in that you're in a re- he's in a really blue state and a lot of corruption there. Um, but eventually, if you're going to take those people out, you're going to have to you're going to have to get rid of the the, the only reason all that fit, mail-in ballot went on in uh, Massachusetts. Same thing, the fake pandemic. So we've got to organize and 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 have millions and millions and millions of people who are who are committed to this. Now, on the I think we have to separate the issues. All right, and, and this I think this is real important. I think what Michael Lindell is doing right now with one of our experts, by the way, Doug Frank, he's the guy Mm -hmm. who determined the algorithms for all the machines and that's in the next documentary. So I think that the election fraud is gonna be dealt with two ways. The states are starting to pass laws that are tightening up the elections there isn't in georgia and wisconsin that just isn't going to go on again it's just not going to happen all right. what about Texas?
0: the what about the weighted race feature inside of the election software because this
1: the, the, you get rid of the dominion machines i mean that's that's the thing what tightening up these laws first of all is we're not going to have this mail-in validity. that's what there, there's nothing to feed into the machine all right. That's the first thing. The second thing is you get people elected who are going to not use those machines. And I think how that's going to happen. I, I don't know that it really even waits for an election. I think how that's going to happen is Lindell and and, and uh, Sidney Powell and some of these people, um, they're going to keep at this. And, and they I think that there's a possibility that this election might even uh, this whole past thing that happened last year might even get undone to a certain extent. And it can happen two different ways. It can either happen because so many people in the United States know what happened, because mo- most people voted for Trump. And if the and if the Democrats think that 80 some 80 to 90 million Republicans are going to watch Lindell's video and say, "Well, I guess we got screwed. We'll do better next time. So we'll just live with Biden until 2024," I don't think that they think that's going to happen. And one of the reasons I think that they don't think that that's gonna happen is all the fences that are up and the National Guard and the whole nine yards, they're terrified, all right? So that's one way it can happen. I'll tell you another way it can happen. And this is going on in the States too. So in Michigan, um, the judge decertified, did something with the mail-in votes, said the secretary of state did not use the right procedure for verifying those votes. So they're all kicked out until they're verified properly. So essentially, if you took the mail-in ballots out of the Michigan race, he didn't win Michigan. Biden didn't win Michigan. Maricopa County is counting 2.1 million ballots right now. Well, here's my point. As this starts to go on, you've heard of the herd mentality. Tversky and Kahneman, the two Israeli psychologists, Mm -hmm. did the most research on herd mentality. One state uh, decertifies its election. Others will do it too. And so I don't know what happens. This has never happened before in the United States. But if either through 90 million people who see Lindell's documentary, somebody's gonna file a lawsuit, somebody's gonna do something, but we're not all gonna sit here and say, well, that really sucked, right? Uh, or a state to its election, he's going to be an illegitimate president. and the fact, And you can't have an illegitimate president sit there for four years while everybody watches their life going to hell. And not do something about it. So um I don't know how it's gonna happen, but um I have had a very strange feeling since this all started last November. I had I was right about this. I told people, I don't think that this is gonna turn out well by January 20th. I was right about that, but I also said I don't think it's over with on January 20th everybody's view of how it was going to get fixed was Trump was going to parachute onto the South lawn on the 19th and use the insurrection act. I said, that's not going to happen. But having said that, I'm not sure that Mr. Biden isn't going to get hauled out of there at some point in time because he just didn't win and everybody mm-hmm. knows it.
0: Okay. We're going to take a quick break and when we get back, I want to get, Pam, I wanted to spend some time talking about some of the basic stuff. Um, I want to talk about masks. I want to talk mm-hmm. about your, your, what your thoughts are on masks and how those things work and, um, and, and some of these other things that we've been forced to do um, under these lockdowns. We'll be right back. You want the absolute best for yourself and you want it to be easy. That's why we created green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical free. Unlike almost all other supplements you'll find bottom line, Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. We're back uh, with Dr. Pam Popper. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys uh, sharing the message and, and leaving your comments. Um this is a really important one because if you don't have your medical freedoms, you really don't have anything this is like the the you know the the gate being closed behind the herd of elk that's been trapped in the pen and that that's kind of kind of be it so we we have to have good health so that we can fight for our freedoms so Pam um again, thank you for being on today we've been talking i, I wanted to get into the mask and stuff but right before we do, i wanted to bring something up because I, I we we've been talking about you know um we kind of kind got into elections and election fraud because that really makes a difference in the votes on who's passing stuff for our health, right? Like we got the 1961 Vaccination Act, and the vaccine act uh, or excuse me then the the 1986 Vaccination Act. These things are are major things that need to be repealed. That would actually be something like if those two things got repealed, that would be moving the needle, would you agree?
1: Right. But but at the state level is where most of the enforcement of everything happens. And so to a certain extent, it doesn't matter if the Democrats or the Republicans are in charge of your legislature, you threaten them the same way. It's a, it's the same threat. I don't care what party you're with. You're either going to do what I say or you're out of here. Okay. that That's what it comes down to. So, so we've made this an issue of we've got to get this party or that party in control of the legislature. I'm basically saying, look, My plan involves not caring who's sitting there. It's the same threat. You're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you're a third party, I don't care what you are. You're out of here if you don't do what we say. And I'll tell you what, what happens is, we talked a little bit about herd mentality, Sometimes what you have to do is let people know that you have the ability to do something bad, and then everybody gets in line. All right, It's herd mentality. So you take out three or four people, and then everybody else stands up and says, I don't want to make those people unhappy. And that's why you can't pass a health care bill in Congress without AARP signing on. It's a terrible organization. I don't. I didn't join them. I don't want to admit I'm an old person, right? So I'm not joining them. But, <laughs> but my point is that, that they're a terrible organization, and they don't represent anybody's best interest. But you can't pass a health care bill in Washington without their approval. All right? so we've got to get to the place where that's the what we're thought of. you know, people, if we don't make those people at MAFa happy, make Americans free again, then we just can't get something done. And um, and so you've got. That's what I'm saying. You've got to separate out to a certain extent this election issue from what I'm talking about, because what I'm talking about will work even with this nitwit in the White House right now. Okay. All right.
0: So my personal standpoint now is I've had an I had an epiphany a couple months ago, and I realized that you know, what I was talking about through my training with Dr. Uh, Dr. Shiva was that when things really happened for good for America was the women's labor movement. It was the women's labor movement that got children out of the workplace, got an eight-hour workday, got better working conditions, cleaned up sanitation. Sanitation workers and plumbers have done more for, for the health of Americans than, than doctors and pharmacists ever have. And the example he showed was like the measles. There was like 14 cases or 14 people out of 100,000 dying at the turn of the century. And then by the 1950s, it was less than one out of 100,000. And then the measles vaccination came in in 1963. And it really just, it hasn't been any better since. So was it the measles vaccination that saved them? No, it was it was, it was was getting rid of the, the feces and the urine the, mm-hmm. and then the dead goats and the dead horses in the water. It was cleaning up the environment. That's what That's what did it. And there was over a hundred. Now, listen to this, guys. There was over a hundred million people in the United States striking at one time. That's a lot. Think about that. I didn't know that. It's a hundred million people. That's where we get the power. And that's what Pam's talking about here about citizens being in charge. We can't Mm -hmm. sit back. We have to step forward and say enough's enough. And we need to organize and organizations like make Americans free again. And the truth, freedom and health movement with Dr. Shiva is that organization taking place it's not going to come from a Democrat. It's not going to come from a Republican or an independent or any the, the, Most of those guys are all working together. They're just all the same thing. And then you have these other people over here that are part of the what's the not so obvious establishment. They put on a good show. They may be even filing some lawsuits against uh, a pharmaceutical company, uh, you know, like RFK. But um, the, 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 the reality is, is they're not moving the needle, like which is what you want to do. You're actually filing legal lawsuits that are going to move the needle and make things um, happen. And I just think it's awesome. And I think that people understand that we we shouldn't be demoralized. We should be energized and excited because there's a lot more of us than there's ever going to be of them. And it's all optics. It's yeah. all optics. Shut off the news, plug into these organizations, invest some of your time into your education because it's either get educated or be enslaved. And we're there right now. We're on yeah. the brink. Of, we're, we're, we're definitely, like you said, we're almost like a, a Republic of America right now. It's like communist yeah. America.
1: There's a you know what RFK is doing is is good because he is filing some lawsuits that are necessary but but there's a there's another element I want to introduce into this thing and that is that in the past you've got all these organizations out there all right that that Mm -hmm. spring up to you know against this mandate that mandate for this and that everything else one of the problems with them is that they they struggle to succeed almost no matter how much money they have. Because what they're requiring of people is I'm going to put my name and my email address in the database and then I'll send money if I can. Maybe it's twenty five dollars to join. And if I'm a big, de- maybe I'll send a thousand dollars or whatever my pledge is going to be. OK, but then what the, the expectation is that the people at the top of this organization will solve the problem for me. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, RFK and, and his top people do good work. The problem is everybody else in the organization is waiting for the announcement of the good work that they did and and that sort of thing. So what I did when I started this is I said, listen, that model doesn't work. So, and I say this, I do a conference call every Thursday at noon to train people what to do, okay? And and, and I say every week, "A, a dozen people in Ohio can't solve this problem for you. This is all hands on deck. And so you have to work too. All right. So what I did is I thought to myself last summer, what can we do that everybody can do? Because when I'm talking about sitting down with a senator and threatening or with not getting elected again, probably some people cringe and say I could never do that. Right. Some people listen to this interview and say I could never be on a show to be interviewed. OK, so here's what I did. And I, and I was very deliberate about it to do something that anybody could do. Mm-hmm. So I started what we now call a Thursday group. All right. So the Thursday group is people of like mind gathering together and we and we're going to be very simple, all right? It's a make Americans free again group and we are going to congregate because that makes people feel good. We're going to rescue small businesses, that makes people feel good, including the businesses we save. And we're going to have we're going to raise money to file lawsuits like all the ones that we talked about, all right? So when my group started, we had I don't know five people. Now we have groups all over the United States. And and it's it's back to this idea, we have to have people not being demoralized, right? So when people walk into our meeting, lots of people in the same place wearing no masks and they're automatically feeling better. So we're winning, right? Yeah. And then we're saving small businesses that every one of my groups that all over the country... And so people come you know people come and say well this particular business they're having trouble we go over there we buy everything they have we organize field trips to buy stuff we plan events where the vendors come in and do stuff in my office or other places where we can have things where they where we're bending the rules and and now people feel good I'm contributing to my community right yep. we have events that are fundraisers now these are and they're illegal we don't care all right but we're we're having those and now people feel good. Oh, my gosh, I'm with people from all over my state gathering for this event. And then we raised $10,000 in one night for our attorneys. We're winning. All right. So, so what we're doing is we've got everybody working. And, I, and I'm very firm about this. And sometimes people will say, well, I live in such and such a place. And maybe you can tell me a group to, um, to go join. And I've said, I think you missed what I said. I said, you got to work. Okay. You got to work. You got to start a group. I'm not your social director. All right. I'm leading the charge, but you know what? Every day I get up in the morning and I think about where can I start another group? Who else can I get to my group? Because we all have to work at that and anybody can do it. And now people have different capabilities. Like I can spend more money rescuing a business than somebody who's unemployed right now. But but everybody can show up. Everybody can bring a friend. Everybody yeah. can come to stuff. So, so anyway, the, the strategy that we're going to have to use this time is going to be different also in that, We've got to have all hands on deck and people have to be doers. They cannot sit in the nest like little birds waiting for us to solve the problems for them at this point. And that's going to be a good thing because I'm going to tell you something. These criminals that did this to us, they have no idea what's coming because they actually think, and this this is where they've made a huge mistake, in my opinion, never underestimate your opposition, right? Mm -hmm. That's what they did. They really never thought. And they're looking at some of the stuff that goes on. They're laughing their butts off over it. But that this they're scared of. This they are very scared of because I'll tell you what, 80 million people in one country against them, they've got a big, big problem. Because it, it and, and this is ultimately, I have a little bit of selfish interest because I don't want them to take me out. But at a certain point in time now with what I've created, getting rid of me wouldn't make any difference at all. Everything, I mean, people would be sad, I think, but. Everything else would continue the day after, right? So to so as you grow this and it becomes bigger and bigger, it becomes something that, that is really almost impossible for them to do anything about. And we will win this in the end.
0: I think the, the big takeaway from this show today, guys, is that you have to participate. You know? Um I, I admit, like I I was busy with my business and kids and life and parents and all this other stuff going on. And I was just sending a check every month thinking somebody else was going to handle something for me. And when it didn't get handled, I actually got pissed. I called them up. I got my money back. <laughs> I took the money back because they conceded and and they didn't do what they said they were going to do. And so, um, and I started, guess what? I've spent almost, I would say probably in the last nine weeks, last seven of the nine weeks, every Monday I've invested three hours of my education Group and then I've joined a group on Thursday. We do little huddles at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every Thursday,
1: mm-hmm. and that
0: group is growing. We've already got 2,000 uh, Truth, Freedom, and Health Warriors in that Very group, sure. and um, and you know and it's and it's exciting and yeah, but you got to put the effort in. And I, I just keep going back to when was what really made America kick ass. It was the women's labor movement. That was it. Now guys were involved too, but it was the women that led the charge. And you know, I always I've, I've said it forever, like you get one pissed off woman. That's going to, that's going to change things.
1: Well, I'm one pissed off woman. Maybe that's, maybe that's, that's yeah, well, and I had, you know, I had a lot of reasons to be able to do this. I, I, you know, it's, I think it's still okay to say that, you know, God helps with these kinds of situations, but, it just so happened that that Ohio was kind of the epicenter for this whole thing when it happened. We were the first state to shut down and the first to close schools and all that. And that's because our little emperor was involved in the planning of all this and he was gonna be the spokesperson for it, which he was. He was the darling of all the Sunday shows and he could play well on any television station or whatever. But but um, so it's kind of ironic that Ohio becomes the heart of it all for this movement to take him down this way. But I had a lot of things that made it possible to have happen. I had a lot of experience with this, another show. We'll have to do another show and talk about some of that. But I had a lot of experience with this medical tyranny issue. Um, I have a big office and a lot of people and and an infrastructure that would let me do this because I think there are a lot of people who would like to do more. But if I were just by myself, there's only so much one person can do. But I walk over, I go over to my office and I've got a whole building full of people and I had a wide reach. You know, I, I'm a best-selling author and I wrote a book about this too, which has helped our effort quite a bit. Um, but, but I had a lot of reach. So I was in a position that I could do something, you know, I could make something happen. And that was, uh, so I figure that um, uh, I feel blessed to be able to do it and honored to be able to do it at the same time. And, uh, and through this whole thing, have met some of the most awesome people ever. I mean, everybody talks about fractured relationships and some of the disappointing things that have happened. And gosh, we've all had that, but I've also met some of the most remarkable people and gotten to do some of the most amazing things. Um, and so I think maybe in 10 years, we'll look back at this and say, gosh, that was awful, but maybe that's what had to happen and we're better off for it.
0: Yeah. Woke us up. And again, just to, to, to I, I just, I want to keep coming back to this. It's like, there was a hundred million people striking at one time. That's when we got what we wanted. As soon and what ended up, here's what happened. And and so after that labor movement, this is why it's so important to be to be doing what Pam's doing and to join these groups like Make Americans Free Again, is because we had all these people striking. We got what we wanted. And from 1940 to 1971, America boomed. All pies, all everything went up. If you're a gas station worker, you're a teacher. You're, it didn't matter any profession everybody was booming then in 1971 guess what happened the republicans came in and they started labeling the labor movement as communism and then the republican and then the then the democrats came over here and said we're for the working people and they started the labor unions and those labor unions then suffocated and stopped the the working class movement that went on for all those years and what was the end result from 1971 till today 51 estimated the $53 trillion of income that we earned, the working class people earned, went upriver to the 5%. What that means is, and we can prove this, um, and it's it's been proved, that somebody making $50,000 today should be making $120,000. That $70,000 went upriver to the elite 5%. So if you want to get your money back and you want to get your health back and your freedom back, you've got to get off the couch when you're done working and put some time in a half an hour a day, an hour a day, get some, like what we do, we have cards that we hand out when I'm at grocery stores. I I, I ask people, which we'll transition into, I have these cards that say mass and oral health. um, And um, I explain to them how their mouth is going to raise the temperature and the oral microbiome gets disrupted and their teeth rot and crack. And dentists have seen a 50% increase in teeth rotting. So what's your employer going to do to cover your rotting, cracking teeth? And you should see the look on their faces. So Pam, why don't you go ahead? and We'll talk about masks really quick and then we'll wrap up. What's your little quick one minute take on masks?
1: Well, it's it's a sign of submission. That's why this is done. And I'm particularly resistant to it because the sign of submission in Germany was the star on your arm. And mm-hmm. I I won't do it. I've never worn a mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not submit and I spent a lot of time related, tangential to that issue, talking to people about where is your line in the sand going to be? Because we have a lot of people who don't think this is a good idea, but they go along to get along. Mm-hmm. And when you go along to get along, you're helping them. When you facilitate, when, when you participate, you facilitate,
0: okay? That's right.
1: And so so I think that what a lot of people have to um, start thinking about, and people say, well, it's my family, it's my this and my that. okay. Everybody's you know many people have had a family member who abuses drugs. Well, your obligation is not to have your family member snorting cocaine on the kitchen table at Christmas, right? You draw a line. You say, "Listen, this is not acceptable. I don't care I care about you as a family member, but I don't have to let you do this in my house." And so when people write to me and they say Well, we had dinner in the yard wearing two masks and screaming at each other from six feet apart. It was really cold and I had to wear my winter coat. I'm going, well, what are you doing there? Okay, what are you doing there? What is it? And this is what goes back to something I said earlier. These are dangerous people who go along with this stuff. Dangerous people. So if if you understand what's going on, get the heck out of there and stop participating in it and get away from people who really do these things because they think it's the right thing to do because these are the people... Who will turn you into, the, if, if things get a little worse before they get better, these are the people who would turn you into the authorities in a minute and don't care what happened to you because they're all for the state right now, not for you, right? So this yeah. mask issue to me is about health, but it's also more about submission. It's a sign of submission. And what it tells our rulers is we have a lot of stupid people in our state who will submit to this. I, Pam Popper, do not submit to it. All right. And if everybody stands up and just stops, if everybody would just stop doing it, it'd be over by Friday of next week. Right. It's
0: crazy. So I went, I went into the grocery store two days ago and it says mass required. I walked in, I got my stuff. I talked to the employees. I checked out. Nobody said nothing.
1: Right. Well, they're getting worn out from it. That's part of it. So you've got some stores that have become more militant, but a lot of places are just tired of it, but they'll get real tired of it. If every second person who comes in the store refuses to do it because they can't afford to lose 50% of their business. Mm -hmm. So with that, you know, we hope that we empower people with the things that we're doing to think more about this. I mean, you know, people need to be more mindful about their behavior and realize everything you do, all the money you spend, it says, I stand for something. And so when you when you wear your mask like a dutiful little soldier of the regime, what you're basically saying is right now, I'll tell you what I'm for. I'm for children committing suicide. I like the idea of an entire generation of illiterate kids. I like bankruptcy. I like homelessness. I like people to not get medical care for cancer and heart disease. I like it so much that I'm going to help it happen. And I know that that sounds really harsh. But I had a lot more sympathy for some of this last summer when people were trying to figure out what's going on. If you're still buying this load of crap right now, that's a level of brainwashing and stupidity that makes you dangerous. I don't want to be around you. And if you're hanging out with those brainwashed, dangerous people. You might want to think a little bit more about what you're doing. Uh, You know, people say all the time uh, who have gotten tied up in things that didn't turn out so well. I should have known. I don't know how I let myself get sucked into this, and, and you've heard this from people. Oh you hear yeah, it and come yeah. out confessions and all that.
0: I've done this stuff is, like that myself.
1: Yeah. So this is the time for you to say, "How am I going to? How am I going to explain this? Like ten years from now, when I'm explaining, what were you doing during the COVID panic? Oh, I was helping them do it." Yeah, I was a willing participant. I wore my mask. I stood on the circle. I put two masks on my kid and sent him to school. And I let him get sick and depressed. And they're going to be in therapy for the rest of their lives. I rocked. Is that the story you want to tell? Or do you want to say, I stood up? I stood up. There are a lot of people. If there are two types of people that I want you to think about that were involved, and there are lots of types of people, but the two I want you to think about with World War II, I think about that, that video. It's real poignant. I can't remember which death camp it was. But it was located close to a, a little village where there was 3,000 people or whatever, and they had to smell the burning flesh. And after the war was over and the Allies, you know, the, the Nazis fled, the the Allies made those people walk through that camp and see those dead bodies and the bones and the piles of hair and everything else. Okay, how would you like to be that person in this situation? Because these people killed more people last year than Hitler killed during the entirety of World War II in the death camps. All right. So you want to be that person or do you want to be the person who said, I helped smuggle 400 Jewish children out of the Netherlands? I think you want to be that type of person, but you have to start standing up and being that type of person. You can't fantasize about it you know, in your living room. you got to get up and take a stand and do the right thing and start standing for something. When you stand for if you don't stand for anything, you stand for nothing or you're actually standing for and helping the other side.
0: There's a there's a country song that says you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything.
1: That's about right. That's about what we have a lot of going on right now. So yeah, well it's been yeah. nice spending time with you. I've enjoyed this.
0: Pam, I, I've loved having you on today. It was great. We'll have to get you back on. Maybe we can talk some gut health next time. But uh, guys, uh, health heroes, the rea- reality is, is that we can't even focus on our gut health if we have somebody passing, you know, forced vaccinations and and even the vaccines they're not even they're not even technically vaccines this mr it's not mrna is not a vaccine so it it goes so deep and pam you're right there there have been so many deaths um from from people committing suicide from losing their business and the depression and the children and and the supply chain de- delays all over the world where we're looking at close to 20 to 30 million people could be could be dying of starvation in third world countries and, and now the CDC is coming out and saying that uh, less than 6% of what's been purported on the news is actually a, a COVID death. So if we do the math, that's less than 35,000 people have died of COVID. But we have to remember that uh, it's okay because the, the pneumonia and the flu has disappeared magically.
1: Right. Exactly. So
0: they must have just left. So I guess I guess everything's all all good. But um, so what's the best place for people that would like to um, check you out, um, look at your movement, um, join you? Where, where should they go?
1: Well, my email address is Pam at msn.com. Um, I put out a newsletter on Monday, fully referenced on this issue. I put out videos Tuesday through Friday every day, um, all free. We have a workshop called Curious About COVID free to the public. You can register for that. The website for Make Americans Free, again, is makeamericansfreeagain.com. You can see all our stuff there. You can participate in my Thursday training calls. My company's website is wellnessforumhealth.com. And my new book is COVID Operation, What Happened, Why It Happened, and What's Next. And you can buy that on Amazon or through us.
0: Yeah, that's good. And, and, and for those of you listening out there, you know, Pam and I... Um, Sometimes we can be a little bit rough, but that's the way it needs to be because people need to be woke up a little bit. And especially when you're dealing with the friends and family members, I know it's like, God, you love your mom, you love your dad, but a lot of times, friends, family members are too close to you and they're not going to listen to you. I've done this before in the health field. So what you do is you lead them to a resource like a documentary. People love to sit down and read a documentary. Um, you said you had some videos, right? Yeah. Um, that's what we do. We like to give people a video and just say, Hey, look. Um, I, I watched this it blew me away. You need to check this out and then let's get let's let's come back and let's talk about it and let the video do the talking and then ask questions and shut up. Don't try to shove your views on them just say well you know what was your biggest takeaway from that video right right And then we'll go from there. Was that your cat is your cat I you? he,
1: yeah and I and I do have to run because I have tonight's Thursday Thursday group night so I have to go back to my office for my Thursday group. So, okay, thank well, you.
0: thank you guys for, um, thank you, Pam. And thank you, uh, health heroes for tuning in around the world. We really appreciate you and sharing, sharing the videos and, and leaving comments and that kind of stuff. So until next time, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to the health hero show. I'm your host, Tim James, and remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon.